and it says, Y'all be careful out there. My homie had two Redskins tickets on the console. They broke in his car and left four more. <laughs> What a great way to end a great week of shows here on Unscripted as we welcome you to this 403rd episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. Uh, Again, great week of shows. It started with our 400th episode of Unscripted and we were joined by our Vancouver Bureau Chief, Mr. Sean Dode. That was great. We've had a lot of good things to talk about and we finished the week off the best way possible with Freeform Friday. You know the routine. I won't even bother you with it. Chris just goes on to our Twitter page. He finds things that people are talking about from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. And sometimes it isn't from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. That's why it becomes Freeform Friday. Having said that, I hand the microphone over to the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Flute. Thanks, Mike. Okay, Brad Flowers at Brandon69 on Twitter here. Uh, He shows a picture of a car that has the a passenger window smashed in, and it says, Y'all be careful out there. My homie had two Redskins tickets on the console. They broke in his car and left four more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> for years, when I was growing up in Wisconsin and the Bucks were terrible, the basketball team, the Milwaukee Bucks, they used to run this radio ad uh, in the town that I was in, that I grew up in, Marshfield, Wisconsin, WDLB. And they would always say, first prize is two tickets to a Bucks game. Second prize is three tickets to a Bucks game. Um, this is what this is becoming in Washington. The Redskins are a disgrace to the National Football League. And uh, somebody needs to do something real quick about this. And I think it needs to start with that now confirmed pot smoking coach, Jay Gruden. Mm-hmm. Okay, for the win at for the win. Braves players weren't happy with Ronald Acuna Jr. for not hustling after a hit. Yeah, there's no question. This is not the first time that this happened. This guy might be the best, what they call in baseball, the best five-tool player in the game. And what they mean by that is his ability to run, throw, hit, do everything. That's the five-tool player. And this guy is it. Um, 40 homers this year, over 40 steals. He is the heart and soul of the Atlanta Braves. But he has a tendency... And I don't mean to make this sound racist or whatever, but he happens to be of uh, Eastern Caribbean descent. I don't know if he's Venezuelan or Puerto Rican or something like that, but he has had a tendency to not run balls out. And that's what they're getting a little pissed off about in Atlanta because, again, this is what made Pete Rose so good. Pete Rose a number of his 4,300 and whatever hits over his career. I know I'm missing the number by quite a bit, but Pete Rose would run everything out. And every once in a while, somebody would make a mistake. And that's what you do. You put pressure on the defense to get the ball over to the first baseman. And Acuna in this instance probably should have been on third. He ended up with a double, but where the ball ended up and where he ended up were not in simpatico. In reality, Acuna should have been on third And that's why some of the Braves teammates were a little hard on Acuna Jr. because this guy has unbelievable talent. And sometimes he doesn't, believe it or not, sometimes seemingly 
in the eyes of his teammates, doesn't uh, play to his full potential. And that's scary, folks. Okay. You know, when you're in a crowd, you're at a sports game or you're at a movie or something and just you, someone just won't stop talking, you know, and that happened. I remember one time I was at a movie in Vancouver about 15 years ago and there were these three young girls and they were just like, blah, 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 blah. And they were just talking the entire movie. And I just turned on and said, girls, will you shut up, please? And then they did shut up after that. But so uh, there's an onion headline here that I, that that reminded me of says total fucking idiot won't shut up for entire football game and it shows a picture of troy aikman <laughs> and uh i i between i i, I would i was kind of hoping for joe buck but uh anyway yeah that i hate that's the worst thing like there's so many things wrong with thursday night football maybe the worst is that we have to listen to those two but yeah aikman just a dinosaur i just i i usually mute them if i can honestly Do you? Yeah. yeah um i i have been in situations like that um I think I may have relayed this story years ago here on Unscripted when Chris and I just started. I was at a play down at the Jack Singer Concert Hall or whatever they call it here in town. It's a big auditorium. It's a very nice building to watch musicals and productions like that. But same kind of scenario. Two people were not shutting up behind me. And after about an hour through the first intermission, I turned around and literally, and I and I said, I I. I was very nice the first couple of times. And you know how you keep getting kicked in the back in the chair? That bothers the hell out of me. And then there's these two ladies that just wouldn't shut up and going on and going on and going on. And I don't know if I really wanted to be there anyway, but it was one of those honeydew things that you do to keep your wife happy. She wanted to go see it. So we went and saw it. And these ladies wouldn't shut up. The first time I was very polite, I said, ladies, if you don't mind. And they said, okay, okay. And uh, second time... A little bit more. Third time I turned around, I said, shut the fuck up. It's exactly what I said. I said, I'd had enough. I paid a lot of money for these seats, and I couldn't hear much. And I turned around and told these two ladies to shut the fuck up. And uh, Judy was never, that's my wife. She was not too impressed with that. The ladies were not too impressed. But it got some action done because the the, the, uh, little ushers sat right by our, for the rest of the performance, because I said to him, listen, I saw the first two times I was nice. The third time I wasn't so nice and I'm not going to leave. And if these two want to leave, go ahead. But that got some action taken. Probably should have gone with a different way. But you now know me after 402 episodes of Unscripted that sometimes my filter just doesn't work. Oh, I'm a big fan of telling people to shut the fuck up in real life. It's really good. Uh, I've I've spit in people's faces before, so uh, you can't. Yeah, uh, but you're big and strong. Well. <laughs> I'm not as big and strong as you are. Well, I've uh, you know I I've, I, I've, I've, appreciate I've it. written I've written a few checks. Let's just say I've written a few checks <laughs> in my life that my ass couldn't cash. Let's just say. Well, that. your ass could cash that one, so that one's <laughs> that one's okay. But okay, busted coverage at busted coverage. Tennessee Volunteers linebacker Jeremy Banks said he was quote was just trying to get some pussy and get back to my crib, but a cop was tripping during September arrest, and uh, yesterday he was kicked off the team. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, it was funny this week they had uh, the press conference as they do each week for the Southeastern Conference. Every big conference has them. Some are on Monday, some are on Tuesday. Doesn't matter, but. They actually brought in athletic director Philip Fulmer into the one for the Tennessee Volunteers this week, and somebody asked Philip Fulmer point blank, would you consider reclaiming your spot as the head coach of our football team? 
because Jeremy Pruitt just isn't getting the job done. And, um, uh, and rightfully so, uh, Fulmer comes on and says, no, I have total confidence in, in Jeremy Pruitt. We're going to get this thing right. No matter how long it takes, we're going to get Tennessee back up to where it belongs to again. This has become a gong show. You almost think that Chuck Barris should be, uh, and this is disrespectful to the show, the gong show, because I enjoyed the gong show back in the day. They had some funny things going on there, and I like Chuck Barris. But it's just, it, it has become a joke. It's become a punchline down there. And again, it goes back to a couple of years ago when they had hired a credible coach by the name of Greg Schiano, and then the hillbillies and the idiots came out of the woodwork. They didn't like that because Shiano supposedly had some shady things in his past. Let me tell you, folks, we all have a skeleton or two in the closet. And Tennessee is supposed to be a national power in football. They always have been for years. Neyland Stadium, another place that sits about 120000 for a Saturday football game. And Tennessee, for years, was among the big boys in in uh, the NC two A football, they were they were a player, but obviously since they won the the won the whole shebang in nineteen ninety nine ninety eight or ninety nine whenever it was the year after Peyton Manning went to the pros, they have not been the same. And this team and this university and has just become a punchline. And uh, you know I, I don't see it getting better anytime soon. And it's funny because there was a time. There was a time that Tennessee could have recruited a guy like Urban Meyer to come and resurrect the football team. Now, Peyton Manning doesn't even want to admit that he went to the University of Tennessee anymore. That's how second class or low brow the University of Tennessee has become. Wow, that's uh, not very good. Nope. <clears throat> okay, so uh, Field Yates at Field Yates is talking about how the New England Patriots have signed the most accurate kicker in AAF history to their practice squad. Who? It, guess who it is? Because it's someone... I, I don't even know if you know the guy's name. We know him as something else. But who is the most accurate kicker in the AAF's one partial season and has now been signed to the New England Patriots practice squad, which makes me question if the Patriots are still <laughs> the, well, making the smart decisions. I don't know him, but I do know that the Patriots, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I do know the Patriots signed Mike Nugent this week to be the kicker replacement for Gostrowski or whatever his name is, who's out for the rest of the year. But no, I do not know who the most accurate kicker is in the AAF. The YouTube kicker. Really? Yep. And he's now on the practice squad of the Patriots. Yeah, Young Way Koo. He'll be, on, he'll be on the Patriots roster before the end of the year. Why? I just think I, I don't, I'm not a big Mike Nugent fan. And I think that uh, um, I, I really believe that by the end of the year, he will be on the uh, active 53-man roster of the New England Patriots. I don't think Mike Nugent makes the year in New England. Wow. Okay. Oh, by the way, before I continue on this, I wanted to ask you about the unfortunate upset of my UCF Golden Knights last night. Yeah, I almost called you last night, but I didn't want to because uh, I was surprised that uh, Cincinnati did it. You know, Cincinnati, first game of the year, beat UCLA at home. Um, Cincinnati's a good football team. Um, they beat a very good football team Friday night on their home field, beating the UFC Knights, UCF Knights, excuse me. Um, but remember, this is also a Cincinnati team that went into Ohio State and got their ass kicked. So 
Um, I think Ohio State's that good. But Cincinnati's a good football team, but it still surprised me that UCF wasn't able to get a win out of that uh, out of that game from Friday. And now with a second loss, UCF lost a couple of weeks ago to Pittsburgh. Now they lost Friday night to Cincinnati with two losses. There is no hope for the UCF Knights moving farther in regard. You know, they, they've been in the discussion for the playoff the last couple of years. A lot of that discussion has been here on Unscripted. Now with two losses, they're done. Okay, and I thought you might want to talk about uh, Wisconsin's 48 nothing win over Kent State today. That is a final score. And I wanted to ask you, is this Jonathan Taylor a product of some good system or O-line, or is he really going to be a star in the NFL? Um, Wisconsin was 35-point favorites against Kent State this weekend, so that doesn't surprise me at all. I think Wisconsin needed to get some offensive frustrations out because of what Northwestern did last week to them. And Wisconsin should never have struggled that much against Northwestern last week, and they did. And, uh, um, you know... They've got some big, big games coming up on their schedule. The biggest one being October 26th at the Horseshoe at Ohio State. That'll be interesting. Ohio State should win that game, but I want Wisconsin to be competitive. To answer your second question, Jonathan Taylor will be a star at the next level, and I, and here's the reason why. Jonathan can run through anything. He's got sprinter speed. People may or may not know this. He runs in the spring semester. He runs on the on the Badgers track team. And he runs in the 4 by 100 meter relay, and he also runs the 100-meter sprint. He is a world-class athlete, and I think there's going to be teams lining up to get a chance to draft him come April. I don't see how Jonathan Taylor makes it anymore at Wisconsin after this year. There's nothing left for him to do anymore at Wisconsin. And I think it would be an honor from somebody to get this guy on their roster next year in an NFL city near you. Okay, so I don't know if you heard about this poker scandal that's going on right now, but no. there's a big poker scandal, and even it's getting so big that uh, Scott Van Pelt actually had it as his as uh, like a three minute segment where he did an really? editorial on it the other night. So basically, what's going on? There's this casino in I believe it's in Citrus Heights, California. It's in Northern California, mm-hmm. called the Stones Casino, and there's a guy named Mike Possle who's been a long time just, and he's a nobody, but I mean he's been playing poker for a long time, but so they've got this, uh, what a lot of the casinos are doing, like the famous the, like the famous Bicycle Club in L.A. and some places like that. They do poker streams where they'll take their, their high roller table, basically, of poker players. Um, and in some cases, it's not even a high roller table, but it's, you know, a featured game for whatever reason. And I think this guy was more playing like $1, $2, or $1, $3, or $5, $5, or something like that. And the guy was making just absurd profit. Like, it was impossible, basically. And I'll show you how how impossible. So there's a guy named Joe Ingram at Joe Ingram One, who's a YouTuber for poker stories. So take a look at that graph. So see all the blue? So the blue is basically everyone who's pretty much ever played uh, at the Stones Casino there and uh, all their records. And see in the middle is a zero. So basically yeah. pretty much like on the left, the left half of that mass of blue mm-hmm. is people losing money and the, the right half is people making money, basically. Okay, yeah. And then you'll see on the far right, there's two other ones. The red, see the red, the red dot? Pot Ripper? Uh, pot Ripper, yeah. Ripper, so yeah. so Pot Ripper was a scam that the site called Alta, or I guess it's not just the Stones Casino, but this is like everyone's wins basically. But the red is is this scam that uh, Ultimate Bet was running. So it was basically a scam robot basically is what the red is to make that kind of a profit okay. that the red one was doing. And then the orange is this guy, Mike Possel. Oh my. So clearly... 
Like, I mean, the blue mass includes the best players in the world. So, and, and this guy is that far ahead of he, the best players in the world. Yeah, he's he's making he's making easily ten times as much money than anyone else ever has in history. Well, my first question is, how's he doing it? So here's the thing. So this Joe Ingram who posted this has been doing an in-depth investigation, literally spending hours and hours and hours every day YouTubing, like making videos and showing, analyzing every hand. Because the nice thing is, the hand, all these hands are on camera. Not just on camera, but on like TV broadcast quality. So now if you're going to cheat, why would you do it on TV? You would just go and... Now, it's because on TV... So what they do now, you know how when you're watching poker these days for the last 15, 20 years... Uh, you see what the guy's cards are, mm-hmm. right? Now, if you watched, uh, like, for example, the you know, in the 90s, like, even the 98 World Series and before, if you watch that, uh, they they had it on TV and they had commentators, but no one could see the cards. You, you hear the commentators saying, okay, uh, Joe, I think he's got probably these two cards or maybe something like And they had to guess along with the people watching, No because there were no whole cameras or anything right. else. Nowadays, they have those RFID chips in the deck that they use. So the the com- it computer senses it, and then the TV automatically gets to see like what the cards were. It just pops up on the screen automatically. So they think somehow he's... Um, at first, they thought, well, maybe he's just doing it by himself because he would always have his hat pulled down and he'd always be looking at his phone constantly. Okay. And then he'd know how to make these magical and like he would never make a wrong decision ever. Like he would he would bl- he would bluff when or he'd make a, you know, a risky bet when the other guy had a terrible cards yeah. and he'd call the guy whenever he had him beat. And like he never made a wrong decision ever, yeah. uh, except for there was one time where he he played poorly, but it was different. He wasn't looking at his phone the whole time. He had his hat on backwards. Didn't matter. He just played whatever and he lost. So then every other time when he's playing forward he's and he's... Winning. Yeah. And the the one different thing was that time he played poorly and didn't seem to care, um, the tournament director, who is a known friend of his, was out of town in Vegas. And so it appears, allegedly, that the idea is he was he's somehow getting help from his buddy. Afar, yeah. And like he, he and this guy have, uh, they have been talking about making a, a TV show or something together for poker or some new thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was weird because then when this first came out, they didn't know it would get this big and be on ESPN Sports Center or anything. Mm-hmm. And so uh, on Twitter, the poker community is a force on Twitter because it's not only very active people. But it is very smart, very analytical people in the community. And so what they did was they said, uh, okay, uh, you need to investigate this. So then this tournament director basically almost instantly said, oh, we did an investigation and all this stuff is fabricated and uh, and it's all lies. He's hoping to put it under the rug. Yeah, and now it's not going away. It's getting bigger. Can they make, I got a question for you then. Can they make this video that they want to make, this guy and this, his buddy that was in Vegas, um, can they make this video from prison? <laughs> it's looking to like go that way because I mean, not only is this super illegal, but oh, it, like it's going to get messy. Think about every single player who played at this yeah. game the last few months and lost money. Yeah, they're coming for their money. Oh, absolutely, they're, they're coming for off. their because this guy made so this guy was playing like fairly low stakes and you know made a quarter million in no time. And it's just well, I mean that there is no way to argue with that, that graph oh, I showed I'm, you. Absolutely, no it's, question. It's, he he was more profitable than a scamming computer. That ripped everyone off and caused a site to go bankrupt. But he's winning. He's winning big, big, big money and paying playing one three dollars a hand. If I'm like understanding yeah, you correctly. Well, that's the buying. But, but, but whatever. But what I'm saying is, 
yeah, I mean, somebody's got to really do, and not just a sweep it under the rug investigation, because this guy is screwing the house, and yeah. somebody's going to be after him pretty soon. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah, Both and them. and Daniel Negreanu post, posted a video, and it said, my in-depth analysis of the cheating scandal, and it was just Negreanu laying on his couch saying, he was cheating. That's all it was. That was the whole video. And it's impossible. And I mean, I've, I've watched a bunch of different analyses of this. And it, there's just, uh, it's clear, allegedly, I guess, I, I guess we don't want to get in trouble. But uh, the, you know, the, the guy was, uh, it, it's the most suspicious thing I've ever seen. And the fact is, like, I've read these old accounts from Doyle Brunson back in the 50s, drive around in Texas, and poker's illegal anyway. So even when you get together with a game full of decent people right, right. like he'd have the texas rangers would find out about it and would kick down the door and come in with their their yeah, guns drawn, guns drawn yeah. and then i mean that's and then even other times you go to somewhere where the game is crooked where people hold you up for your money at gunpoint or all this stuff and the, the thing is nowadays you would think that okay well we're past that as a society now you can go into a nice brick and mortar casino and feel safe right. and there's going to be security and the game's on the up and up and for this to be happening in 2019 right. in a casino is disgusting. And it and it doesn't leave the casino industry in good light because if you can't go into a place and feel that you're part of a honest game, then you've got a problem with credibility and that word spreads like wildfire. And uh, this casino needs to do something about this sooner than as soon as possible because their reputation is being harmed tremendously with news like this. And it it makes Sports Center. You get a a, a a patriarch, if you will, of poker in Daniel Negreanu uh, making comment. It's gotten to the highest levels, and they've got to do something soon about this because people are not going to go to a place and they're not going to spend their hard-earned money if they think they're going to get screwed. And um, I, I'm surprised this is happening in 2019. But you know what? In this day and age, I really believe this that the crooks are smarter than the good guys. Maybe, but uh, in the end, I think at least this story, if nothing else, I think this story might have a happy ending for people that believe in justice. And then, obviously, no poker player would ever play there again. Never. You'd have to at least rename the casino, have new management. But then, I mean, even if you're not a poker player, but even if you're someone who just wants to go play some slots, right. how, how can you... Wouldn't how can you, you trust you, you can't trust the place, so no, it's, it's a joke. So um, I just had one other... Vegas, you know, it's funny. Vegas will suffer from this, too. Every Atlantic City will suffer from this. Monte Carlo will suffer from this because the word gets out and it, like I said, spreads like wildfire. This is not good for the whole casino industry. Yeah. And when they find out how they did it, whether it must have been using the RFID chips or something, uh, when they find out how, then now does it make it tougher to broadcast poker properly because right. no one wants to use the technology if people are cheating you? So it's it's really unfortunate. It really is. Um, the, I, I like to look for upsets in college football. Nothing really jumps out this week, although I do see that Oklahoma State was a nine and a half point favorites over Texas Tech, and they lost by 10. Texas Tech won 45-35, unranked Texas Tech against Oklahoma State. Well, you know, um, what do you think? Tech, Texas Tech is only going to get better because they got rid of Cliff Kingsbury. Um, <laughs> that's got to help. Uh, Oklahoma State... Um, they're going through a transition there. Mike Gundy has been there for a long time. They just their biggest booster to Oklahoma State athletics, Boone Pickens, the multi multi trillionaire. I don't know. I'm, he's at least he's at least a billionaire, but he was like the biggest donor ever to Oklahoma State athletics and Oklahoma City. Excuse me, Oklahoma State University, which is in Stillwater, Oklahoma. But they're going through a transition, and um, they're not going anywhere this year. 
I'm happy for Texas Tech. Get a get a good quality win. And uh, again, they can only go up after last year's aberration with Cliff Kingsbury as the head coach. Okay. I also just wanted to quickly say that the number one recruit in uh, amateur wrestling in 2020 uh, has just the best name ever. His name is AJ Ferrari. Oh. Sounds like a stripper, actually. But. It does. Absolutely. I do want to comment, if you don't mind. Um, I would like to have people and direct them uh, to our Patreon page. Also, probably, I'm, I'm assuming you probably put that wonderful recap that you did on All Elite Wrestling. I'm thinking you probably put it on your on a on a couple of different social media avenues. I, I put it on LinkedIn, but I also put it on uh, the main on our main unscripted MC. Yeah, and I was getting too. to that. But I I um I want to compliment you on the terrific job there that you did. You made it readable. You made it understandable, and uh, I appreciate that because obviously you've talked a lot about the AEW AEW and moving forward. There aren't the recognizable names yet, minus after obviously Chris Jericho. There aren't the that the household names yet that we still associate with the competition over at WWE. But uh, I would like to direct people to our Patreon page, to Chris's, Chris's LinkedIn page, uh, to read his recap of that first event in the uh, AEW schedule. I think you did a hell of a job, and I was appreciative of learning something more and expanding my education in regard to moving forward with all elite wrestling. And I thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I wrote it in real time as I watched I just watched live yeah. and then had it up right after. And uh, that's how I do it. So I still have to, you know, proofread it because uh, I just, I can't ever release anything with typos, but uh, yeah, I appreciate that because I know that uh, for somebody who's new to wrestling and uh, I don't know if you watched any of it, if you got to see I it. did not. Uh, I had family crisis there with my 14-year-old daughter. And uh, unfortunately, that took, uh, my, my, you know, took my attention away. But I learned a lot from reading Chris's recap and look forward to future events that I will make sure, as long as my 14-year-old isn't losing her mind, uh, I will uh, make sure that I get in and watch some of these events because it, it, it just helps me. And I think it helps a lot of us out there getting affiliated with a new wrestling association. Uh, it helps to have a little bit of a guideline, if you will. And that's how I see Chris's recaps as a guideline to introducing me to new players and some of their moves and some of the things that they're famous for. And uh, I learn a lot by that. And I appreciate what you did. I appreciate that. Yeah, because I know like for somebody who hasn't watched wrestling in decades, uh, it's uh, crazy to see all of the detailed moves and everything. Like what I'm saying, uh, oh, this guy. And a lot of times it's a variation that I've never seen before, but I'll say, oh, he did a, you know, twisting somersault cutter. And it's like, well, what's a cutter? And so there's just a million different moves that you can't know unless you watch, even if well, you see my recap. Well, and not only that, but see, when I hear you say cutter, I think of a cigar cutter. And I, and, I, and again, I'm being naive. I, I understand that. Uh, but again, I appreciate what you did and uh, look forward to when you do it the next time because I will be reading and learning just like hopefully the rest of us are smart enough to do. Perfect. Okay, uh, Dexter's Library at Dexter's underscore library. I love how all football players act like reading defenses is quantum mechanics, but Brett Favre used to eat Vicodin sandwiches and didn't know what cover two was. Well, you know, that's exactly right. And, you know, um, it's funny. There's an old video, and I have it at the house, and if I can find it, I'll share it with you sometime. But there was an interview done when Brett Favre was first traded to Green Bay, so that's in 1992. And he's in a meeting with, at that time, the quarterback's coach, Steve Mariucci, and Andy Reid, 
Mariucci, excuse me, Mariucci was the offensive coordinator. Andy Reid was the quarterback coach, and they talked to him about a nickel defense, and he had no idea what they were talking about. Um, I think sometimes we overanalyze in regard to football. Football is still an instinctive sport. You have to have a, and that gives a good offense, that gives a good offense an advantage over defense because the offense knows where they're supposed to go. They know they're supposed to go six yards and go right, you know, make a cut to the right on a, on a sideline pattern or something like that, or go four steps in and then go across the middle on a crossing pattern. Defense, you can get away with being a little dumber because it's, it's more instinctive. But you think about the things that Brett Favre was able to do in his career, and he didn't even know what a nickel defense was in his second year in the National Football League. That makes me wonder what kind of offense they ran at Southern Mississippi, which is where Brent Favre went to college. I'm I'm under the assumption, and I, I'm making a bit of a joke here, but I bet they got in the huddle and they did the old thing, you go down here, turn right, yeah. you go down here, turn left, and I'll hit you. I think that's exactly what it was when he was at uh, Southern Mississippi. And, you know, the funny thing is about Brett Favre. The first couple of years, Brett Favre and Mike Holmgren, when they were together in Green Bay, they got along like fire and gasoline. And that's because... Before Holmgren was the coach in Green Bay, he was the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for a couple of guys you may have heard of before, Joe Montana and Steve Young. And to come to Green Bay and you get this hillbilly named Brett Favre who doesn't know what a nickel defense is, yeah, there was going to be some tough times. But everything that Brett Favre has accomplished in his career, the one Super Bowl, uh, Hall of Fame nomination, yada, 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 Brett Favre owes a lot in his career to one Mike Holmgren. Okay, Tom Reed at T. Reed, 1919. Now, this is only a rumor, so don't don't anyone take this to the bank. It's only a rumor, okay? The Bengals versus Dolphins game on December 22nd <laughs> might get flexed to the Cartoon Network. <laughs> or it might just get stricken from the record uh, due to a lack of interest. Um, that will be... That's funny. Cincinnati will be favored in that game only because they've got more legitimate NFL players on their roster right now than the Miami Dolphins do. Uh, but that will be the battle for the first pick in next April's NFL draft. Absolutely. Okay, I thought you might like this story. So uh, Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz are going to have a fight shortly in the UFC, mm-hmm. and we can end with this one. But anyway, so they've often talked about like how they're uh, you know they're such badasses and everything. So. They've, they were kind of jokingly saying, oh, we're going to make this for the BMF title, the baddest motherfucker title, right? <laughs> so what they are literally going to do now in that title, yeah. is, or in that match, because it's not for an actual title, they're literally going to make a belt, a physical belt, called the bad, and, and it's only going to be a one-time promotional sure, thing. They're sure, not going to sure. actually defend it or anything. Right. But they're going to make the baddest motherfucker title yeah. a real belt, and they're going to have The Rock presented to the winner of the match wow in and it's in madison square garden okay right and they're gonna they're, and i think it's the main event too and they're gonna have it so i also thought it was funny because i thought you'd like that story but also conor mcgregor at the notorious mma just uh, the other day tweeted what date is that interim baddest motherfucker <laughs> title on for again <laughs> i heard I still like Conor McGregor. Will he ever get back in the octagon? Yeah. I hope so, because yeah, yeah. I miss him. I really do. Yeah, he will. I do know he got uh, charged with something yeah. this week, and uh, he's due in court back in Ireland, I think, later this month. Um, I can't wait to get Conor McGregor back in the in the octagon again. There's something about him. 
Um, you may not like the way he conducts business. You may not like the way he acts, but there is something, there's some electricity about him. There's something different. There's some juice in the building, if you will, when Conor McGregor is there. And I can't wait to see uh, when he's back. I will watch that one. I like him. I Again, there's something different. It, you know, uh, for years, people thought that there was a juice when Tyson was in the ring. Uh, there was a juice going back to the 70s when Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and those guys were in the ring. There is a juice when Conor McGregor is in, there's a, when Floyd Mayweather, there's a perfect example. When Mayweather is in the ring, there's a juice in the building. And that's something that the UFC, as much as I'm liking it, as much as I'm learning about it, there's something missing. I think we're going to get it when we see Stipe Miocic against Daniel Cormier, whenever that happens. I'm looking forward to that one as well. But I really look forward to seeing that crazy motherfucker Conor McGregor out there again. He was a difference maker and I enjoyed watching him. Um, we've got to run. Great week of shows. Congratulations to us for making it over our 400th episode of Unscripted. It's a great accomplishment. Um, thank you. Thank you to you. Thank you to everybody out there. People that have contributed, thank you. Um, I hope that you continue to do so. Um, as long as you guys are, are going to contribute, we're going to keep going because I enjoy doing it. It's fun to get with Chris once a week, and I, and I thank all of you for participating and, and uh, that I truly hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Luke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.